sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engines running, commit liftoff. Hey, good afternoon, and welcome to SWAT Radio. Yes, it is Doug McCary. I know you were wondering if I was ever going to be back because I have been out. Thank you so much for your prayers. Uh, all I can say is what I had, I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy because it was... Is that you, Doug? It is me, Steve. That's Steve, welcome our back. producer. It is good to be back, man. I was out for the count Monday and Tuesday and um my voice is still a little weak but i'm i'm feeling better uh first question everybody asks is it covid was it covid and um no it wasn't covid but i tell you <laughs> what it did to my insides was like i don't even, i can't even describe it on air because I, I it's against fcc rules but it was awful <clears throat> but Thank you for your prayers. I'm glad I'm back. Sorry, Mom and Dad. Hope I didn't embarrass you. I know they listen in uh, Meridian on WMAR. Thanks to our listeners up on the Lighthouse in uh, Virginia Beach, Chesapeake, Virginia area, and uh, all the people here in Jacksonville on 91.7, 91.9 in St. Augustine, and then up in Folkestone, Georgia on 91.3, <coughs> and our listeners on the Internet. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't have a cough button like some people. <laughs> So I do have a, a drink that keeps my throat hydrated, but I'm glad to be back. <clears throat> I'm excited about today. We have uh, Dr. Al Moeller at 3.30. Uh, he's going to be our guest, and uh, I look forward to him talking about everything that's been going on because he's so widely read <clears throat> on everything. And uh, the first half hour, I'm equally excited because Aaron... DiPietro. DiPietro. God, DiPietro. 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 <laughs> he told me three times before we started, and I knew I would mess it up. But I'm just going to claim brain fog. Yeah, it's all, it's all right. It's you know, right. Uh, from dehydration and everything else. That works. Um, I, I'm just going to call you Aaron. How that, about that? That's, that, that's fine. Uh, okay. If you call me any, if, when I, even younger, ki- you know, when younger, you know, teenagers or such call me, you know, Mr. DiPietro, I'm like, no, stop. You make me, See, you're making me feel you. old. Now it's DiPietro. DiPietro. I, I yes. got you. DiPietro. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, DiPietro. Correct. All right. Mm-hmm. So Aaron serves as the legislative director of the Florida Family Policy Council. And uh, we've had the president of the Florida, uh, uh, the Florida, Family Policy Council on here before. In fact, I went and did a shooting lesson for some of them mm-hmm. down in St. Augustine yeah. when they were here for a retreat. Yeah. But they uh, advocate for life, uh, uh, the family, religious freedom, and other issues. And Aaron's serving pretty much as a lobbyist, uh, mm-hmm. but more than that, he is a ambassador for Christ there. Amen. And uh, in Tallahassee, Florida, he also serves is the political director for the Florida Family Action Count uh, and on the leadership team for Stanford Jacks. What is Stanford Jacks for people who may yeah. not know? Yeah, so Stanford Jacks locally here is a Christian coalition group that we put together dedicated to bringing together the body of Christ to engage in the local civic arena. 
here in Jacksonville. We have a lot of good, great organizations on the national level and great, you know, scholars and individuals focusing on the national politics. And we have organizations like Fam- Florida Family focused on the state level. But we really saw a, a lack or hole in the civic arena here locally in Jacksonville is focused on engaging the local civic arena for Christ. And what I am most excited about, oh, by the way, before I even say this, this is not what puts food on his table. These are areas he's serving out there, but he works at a local company. Uh, A good friend of ours, a SWAT brother, runs um, uh, Lewis Petroleum, Mm -hmm. and he works there. But how old are you, Aaron? I'm 25. 25 years old. And he is an encouragement about that generation to me because uh, I've known him for a while. He's been coming to SWAT. How long have you been coming to the SWAT? It was pre pre COVID. I guess that's where we measure everything by nowadays. So, <laughs> like, but so twenty nineteen, I yeah, believe, is when. Yes. So uh, about three years. Yeah. And uh, uh, he has been very faithful about being there. Except recently, <laughs> uh, he has been and over I had in a good Tallahassee. Excuse. Yeah. I, I want you to tell our li- well. First of all, in this vitriolic yeah. environment we live in politically. Right. How was it different than you expected going over to? Mm-hmm. And I realize it's a state, right? But everybody has expectations of what it's going to be like when right. you go into the capital or where you go right. into that political arena. Tell us first of all, how was it different than you thought? Hmm. So that that's a great question. So I would say on the on the start, it is a lot. There's a lot less animosity, at least partially because there's not as much media coverage on the state level. And the goal, and I, and I know there's a lot of great people in Washington, uh, but it seems like at least in a, a lot of it's the media perspective is a lot of the goal in Washington is to get sound bites to get yourself either on Fox News or CNN or MSNBC. On the state level, there is a lot more cordiality. Definitely, there are very strong differences of opinion on ideology and worldview, and there are major clashes on that. But it is, at least I sensed a, a little bit more of a sense of cordiality and, you know, friendliness even among people that disagreed with each other politically Mm -hmm. so i think that was that was one surprise another surprise is just how detailed the process is how it's not a you know a lot of people think oh we're in you know uh, we've got you know desantis is our governor and we've got you know that you know these people in the legislature and and that's like it should be easy to snap our fingers and just you know pass great bills left and right and the and the uh, the process is so much more different so much more complicated and difficult to get things moving in, but which is, you know, a little bit frustrating sometimes on the good on the good side. But on the bad side or on the positive side, uh, it keeps a lot of bad stuff from getting through. Mm-hmm. So that just the detailed process of all the committee and the staff analysis and just the whole process. So it was a little bit more complicated in terms of the process than I guess uh, maybe coming into the process. But it was definitely encouraging uh, to see to see the process. Um, to be able to fellowship with a lot of like-minded, you know, godly individuals in Tallahassee. That was a big encouragement was to to meet and engage and interact with a lot of the believers in Tallahassee uh, in the legislature, member of the, uh, members of the legislature and members of like committee staff and, you know, legal assistants and, and things like that. Well, I know it was a, it was kind of a big step for you to take this because yeah. it increased a pretty big workload on you in right. doing things. Um, you were sharing with me yesterday mm-hmm. one story. Right. Uh, I call those God winks or God mm-hmm. stories. Right. Uh, without mentioning the name, sure. tell us what happened 
Uh, well, first of all, before even before you go down that road, because mm-hmm. I ask you what was one thing that surprised you mm-hmm. about what what was uh, what was the biggest thing God has taught you mm-hmm. in the two months you've been going back and forth up there? Yeah, I would, I, no, that's a great question. I would say the biggest thing is that these pe- people in, in Tallahassee and you know beyond in, in politics, they're human beings. Mm-hmm. They're human beings with a soul with struggles, with pains uh, that need Christ on both sides of the aisle, regardless of whether they have an ROD behind their name, they are human beings with, with feelings. So and to that point, the story we were talking about yesterday, there was a particular member of the legislature, I'm not going to name names, but there was a particular member of the legislature who was definitely ideologically on a different page than I was. And we had had some interactions. It was it was more – a lot of it was more of just, uh, you know, on ideologically we'd had some kind of – at least in some committee meetings where I'd been testifying and speaking. I had had some cross-examination um, to where he was trying to, you know, undercut my position and such. But it was – for the most part, it was fairly cordial. But he, uh, I ended up running into him on the sidewalk outside of the Capitol just walking back to my car uh, when I was heading home one evening mm-hmm. and just, you know, made him – you know, shook his hand, said hello, made a uh, minor compliment – and he kind of looked at me and he said, I just want to let you know, you know, you are, you're the, you're the real deal. You, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he was basically was like, I can tell you believe what you are speaking for and what you're advocating for. And you're one of the most respectful individuals on your side. And I took that as a high compliment, even though obviously we disagreed on issues. It showed me that speaking the truth in love, there, and love, and that's the big issue, even in many Christian circles, is we are adopting the tactics of the world on both the right and the left, to where it's if you the the way to communicate is to slam someone, is to bash someone, is to attack someone, even if they disagree with you. And I think really the biblical model is we can speak the truth, but we can do it in love. We can do it in a winsome way. We can do it in a logical way. We can do it in a, in a way that you know, that we actually are acting like we actually want to change the other person's mind, or at least give them something to think about, rather than just trying to smash talking points or you know throwing attack attack lines at people and I, th- I think you know god really kind of used that to you know again as you know one example among many to where these are human beings and they have they have a soul and just realize they're they're people they all are with, image bearers exactly uh, Exa- e- amen. even if they yeah. aren't believers exactly. they're image bearers that's exactly. why life for mm-hmm. anyone is exactly valuable. um that's why free what that's why we support freedom of speech and freedom of religion for all individuals because they are image bearers. They are accountable to God. And that's, that's why, you know, it's not just freedom for freedom for Christians or, you know, life for Christians or anything like that. That's the very nature of the word of God is that he has placed his image. They bear the Omago Deo, the creator God, and he reigns upon the just and the unjust God, you know, God showed his love toward all and, you know, sending Christ to die. And we should carry that same attitude toward others. You know, I was reading uh, yesterday during my devotional time where Jesus said, you know, I didn't come to judge the mm-hmm. world. I came to save the world. Right. Uh, but by my words, they'll be judged. Right. And our responsibility mm-hmm. is to carry the word right. of truth. Yes. And. Sometimes that word of truth is not going to be popular in culture, but we don't act as the judge even of those people. God's word judges people. Right. We just, we're delivery people. We just take the message to people. And I was, I was struck by that because I was thinking how, how much we all get swept up into the vitriol and the back and forth and, 
the mm-hmm. tactics right. of media mm-hmm. and, and even political tactics. Right. I mean, the if you've watched anything at what's going on at a national level right. lately, it's you know, it's hypocrisy right. and hatred. <laughs> yeah. That's really what you see. It's not coming together to work together to say I was telling the guys this morning. I actually think it's good to have two differing viewpoints mm-hmm. on looking at things to balance and, sh- you know, make you think about right. your positions. Mm-hmm. But what we are going to is a one party, whoever's mm-hmm. in power, this is the party. Right. And that's what everybody. And believes. people on different sides end up heading to almost like a. Uh, thought clouds of you know their bubble they, they go they head to the bubble the media bubble that reinforces what they believe and they're not engaging without suppositions and it really leads to a, a lot of the polarization that we see yeah today yeah. well um did you know how has this impacted you on your stand for jack's mm-hmm. uh position like going up there mm-hmm. has given you insights um mm-hmm. uh, now bring it down to an even local. You go right. from state, and now yeah. you're at a local level with Stanford mm-hmm. Jacks. How has that shaped how you're going to go forward in that? So part of it encourages me to know that here in the state of Florida that we can, you know, we can enact. We, we It is possible in the state capitol. We had some amazing pieces of legislation that were put forward this session that advanced a, you know, biblical values, biblical worldview, uh, and defending life and defending parental rights, you know, and we can go into a little more of those later. But it sh- it showed me that it, there is still hope in engaging the culture on there, and we and we can do that and bring that down to a local level. The downside is here in Jacksonville, we have a lot more um, hostility toward biblical worldview and biblical values in terms of our local government compared to our state government. Uh, even though, unfortunately, and again party label means little to me it's what you know what the values and the principles of the people are that are in office but unfortunately even though we do have quote unquote a supermajority republican city council uh they deal with biblical issues and policy positions in a vastly different way than even our republican state legislature which is definitely at least putting forward policies that have tended to be more in line with the biblical worldview yeah and you had mm-hmm. experience in going out did you do surveys or, or how did was that you that did that um that actually queried people or were you queried yep. candidates yes we- so back in back in the 2020 election cycle so something else that i've done um on the state level for florida family action which is like the sister organization for the florida family policy council was doing probably i don't know 60 to 80 hours worth of interviews during the 2020 election cycle and vetting candidates mostly in open seats where there was no incumbents uh, happening, but basically talking to them about their worldview, talking to them about their stance on the issues. Was that legislative on the state state level? Yes. State and state Senate and state house, a little bit on the federal congressional levels, a a few, there weren't many, a lot of that, but mostly on the state level and engaging with these candidates. And uh, actually I got to build quite a few relationships through that process of individuals that ended up joining the legislature. Um, So that was actually a huge eye opening experience there. And, getting to engage, not only engaging and finding out what their perspective is. So I guess you could say being a, uh, a thermometer, taking the reading or the temperature of, you know, where the candidate stood. But one thing I appreciated about the team at Florida Family Action was they allowed me to be able to engage the candidates in educating them on issues and talking about, you know, how, you know, maybe if they were uninformed on an issue or maybe even if they disagreed. I, I actually love engaging with people that disagree with me. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy that. 
um, because it builds it, you know, it builds my faith up to know that, you know, there are answers for, you know, the biblical worldview is the best for society and it is defensible. Mm. So I really, I, I really enjoy that. And also in areas where I can fall short on or where I have an oversight on, uh, challenges and oppositions just, you know, make, force me to look back, look back to the word of God, look back to truth, you know, examine, you know, how I'm defending, uh, issues and, you know, perspectives and, you know, it makes it, makes a better, stronger, better argument to be mm. able to defend the truth. Well, um, you know, I was, um, I was just thinking about what you were talking about with these legislatures and you coming from a Christian worldview. Right. And I, I think I was sharing with you yesterday how um, governors, mayors, legislatures, right. uh, presidents, mm-hmm. congressmen, I, I think if they're believers or right. they even if they, they profess, mm-hmm. they should have spiritual right. advisors or people that they have that will speak truth into their life. Right. And uh, I was listening to our next guest mm-hmm. this morning talk about Penn, the university, Penn University. Yeah. Did you hear that about George Whitfield mm. and Ben Franklin founded the right. university yeah. where the trans wow. swimmer and, and they were, they did not found it right to be that kind of institution that would say basically what what people are doing with the whole transgender thing is they're ignoring god's design right they're ignoring basic biology exactly and they're trying to sweep the whole country into a mass psychosis right of denial right of truth right and and people are going along with it i'm watching even what you would consider very politically conservative commentators are right. so afraid to say that Leah Thomas is a man. In fact, right. uh, one of the commentators on on Fox News, who's very popular with a huge Twitter following, got mm-hmm. banned mm-hmm. for saying that um, the uh, one of Biden's uh, undersecretaries for Health and right. Human Services is a biological male, which is a right. fact. Right. That is that Rachel is a, Levine. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a fact. And so what you're doing up at uh, Tallahassee, I think, is really important. And I want to let know how people can support you Mm -hmm. and the organization you're with. So um, I believe you're up there. You're serving Florida Family, Yes, Florida Family Policy Council. Mm -hmm. And so if they would like to help you or help them, Mm -hmm. they they can go to www.flfamily.org. Yes. flfamily.org and click on the donate link yes and help people who are doing what you do and yeah. and can they designate specific or do they when you donate there does it just go into a general fund i think it goes into a general fund but there might be some places that you can make some notes in there as well well and i know y'all have a big event coming up with uh the guy who is the head of the babylon b which yes. is a really entertaining <laughs> yes uh, uh, social media site mm-hmm. that basically satires what's going on in our culture. Right. And uh, when is that coming up? Do that you know? is coming up on May, I believe, May 15th. Um, and that's in Orlando, and the, It's right? going to be in or- Orlando, Florida. Yes. May. I'm sorry, May 14th, Saturday, Saturday evening. So. And can, is that open to anybody? Yes. Okay. Yep, there are tickets. You can purchase the tickets at flfamily.org. So. Okay. 
So it, that's the annual policy awards dinner. Yes. Uh, FFPC 2022, mm-hmm. May 14th in Orlando. Just go to uh, flfamily.org and you can click on that and uh, you can sign up and get tickets for it. Well, I want to go back to Stan for Jacks. Yeah. Uh, if people are out there listening, now I realize people in Virginia right. uh, are listening, Mississippi, mm-hmm. out west, and even overseas. Uh, but if people in the Jacksonville, Florida area want to get involved with uh, Stanford Jacks, they just go to the website? Yes, go to the website, www.stand4jacks.com, stanfordjacks.com. And then you can sign up there. In our uh, There's a sign-up tab that you can find out for more information, and we'll get in contact with you about ways that you can get engaged locally here in Standing for Righteousness. Okay, so as a... Young 25 year old uh, who is now involved in the political process as a lobbyist for uh, not just lobbying for family values, but lobbying for Christ. You're mm-hmm. out there for Christ's values. What would you say to people who are listening who may have teenagers, yeah. young kids? What were some of the impactful things to you mm-hmm. growing up that? that really prompted you to be different than a lot of people your age. And it's not that people your age don't have passion for things, but there's a lot of passion for liberal freedom agenda. Right. And, and and by that, I mean, liberal freedom isn't really freedom at all. It's just, uh, it's a new type of slavery. Really? Yeah. And so what was impactful to you that kind of bent you toward this? Yeah. So, no, that's a great question. I would say a huge part of it was the influence and the engagement of my parents in my life and raising me with a biblical, you know, to have a biblical worldview. One thing I I think should be mandatory for every child raised uh, by Christian parents and raised in the church is to have at least some measure of exposure to Christian apologetics, understand the basis of our faith. Why do we believe what we believe? Instead of, and 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 how and how does that personalize to the child? Can they defend their faith? That's that's the huge that's the huge thing. Whether it's understanding the creation evolution debate, um, which I was my parents, you know, were I was blessed that they exposed me to a lot of those resources even at a young age. Um, I, you know, I started getting into that information around age eight or nine, um, even before even before my teen years. Whether it's dealing with that issue, understanding the validity of the Bible, the archaeology that you know v- validates the biblical record whether it's understanding how to combat atheism or humanism in our culture, being able to engage engage the culture with the truth of God's Word. Because if we as Christians truly believe that the Word of God is sufficient for all life and godliness and has the answers to every one of mankind's problems, we should be we should study to show ourselves approved, as the Word says, you know, a worker that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth, to be able to answer the skeptical questions in our age and be able to engage the culture with righteousness. Because if this is a truth, truth will you know you don't need to tr- just let truth out. I think it was Charles Spurgeon that you know said uh, truth. You don't need to defend truth or or defend defend the Word of God. I would sooner defend a lion. And I think I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, no, but that's, just that's let, a, let, yeah. let 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 the Word of God speak for itself. And, you know, there are answers in this. So I would, I would encourage every parent and uh, youth pastor and out there to say, expose the, the children under your influence to Christian apologetics. Let mm-hmm. them see the, you know, let them see the answers that are out there. Because it's weird being in, in, in this world, in this realm, and even before um, being involved in politics, when I would encounter skeptics and, you know, people, you know, bringing up issues against the Word of God, 
Mm. It was always the same, like 10 to 15 to 20, maybe 50 questions. It's the same questions for 90% of the time. Occasionally you'll get that one, you know, one or two intellectual, you know, individuals that are going to ask, you know, weird and wacky questions. But the vast majority of the questions and objections to the Christian faith fall into about maybe 10 to 20 to 30 questions that have very simple answers. Mm. And yet when we do not know as, as Christians, those answers and when we allow, basically allow young people to go on through um, elementary and middle school and high school and mm. college without being exposed to those very simple and basic and yet profound answers, mm. we're doing them a great disservice. Well, and that's why uh, you and I were talking about my daughter that went to mm-hmm. uh, Link Here. She, in fact, mm-hmm. she finishes Link Here next month. Awesome. It has made a huge difference in her life right. because it's grounded her. And a lot of what they teach is Christian worldview. Right. And being able, they they actually had to get up in front of everybody and defend their faith against different arguments. That's awesome. And then mm-hmm. they got to listen to other students do other arguments. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and that that's so valuable that is. to be able to, one, witness people mm-hmm. arguing. And you sit there and go, well, that's not going to convince me. But it makes you think about right. it. And I think a lot of times the um, people at that age... Mm-hmm don't spend time thinking about those things exactly they're they're too busy enjoying college life or football life i mean Mm -hmm. just going to football games or sports games or video games or whatever but not engaging in uh really biblical truth yeah because it doesn't seem relevant for them Uh, it's the most relevant that's the most relevant thing every every uh, just I don't know. Just the, even 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 the foundation that it laid. I, I was saved by God's grace at age fourteen, and even before that, apologetics, you know, really laid the foundation for me coming to Christ. Just understanding the truth of that, and it's been one of the most critical parts of my life from from there on out. Well, uh, unfortunately, our time is up, man. It flew today. Yeah. I want to give people the website one more time: StandForJacks.com here locally. Yes. But listen, anybody in the world. Mm-hmm. Can donate and be a part of FloridaFamily.org. They do a lot mm-hmm. to help values all over. Yes. So that's FLFamily.org. Uh, you've been listening to Aaron DiPietro. DiPietro. Golly. I am so sorry, Aaron. You're good. Aaron DiPietro. I got Nailed it right going Nailed out. It. We'll be right back with Dr. Al Moeller. Uh, thank you, Aaron. We'll thank be you praying so much, for Doug. you. Y'all lift Aaron up in your prayers. We'll thank be right you. back after the news. God bless. back to SWAT Radio. Again, it's Doug McCary. Thank you for your prayers. I appreciate it. Uh, I am glad to be back in studio today. And uh, again, thanks to Aaron DiPetrio. 
Gosh, I, D. Petrio. I, I, I keep butchering that. I am so sorry, Aaron. Aaron's still here in the studio, but uh, he has done some great work lobbying over in Tallahassee, and I appreciate that. And um, I also want to thank uh, Dr. Moeller uh, for being on. Dr. Moeller, welcome uh, back to SWAT Radio. How are you today? Hey, Doug, I'm doing great. Good to be with you. Yes, uh, I, I really uh, appreciate you uh, being on, and I, I listened to the briefing, as a lot of our listeners do. We appreciate you um, uh, touching on these issues, and this morning to me was really uh, pointed just because it seemed like there was a little more passion in your voice <laughs> uh, related to some of the... Um, some of this stuff that this mass psychosis that's being forced down our throat. Uh, are, yeah, I are, had uh, I had people in the studio. I actually asked them if I was too hot because I was uh, I, I, I was uh, I, I was very very let's just say urgent uh, uh, and indeed outraged about so many of these issues. Well, I appreciate that. I think we ought to be outraged. I, I think um, we live in a country where we still have a voice to say stuff. And I appreciate you putting that kind of emphasis on it. You know, um, uh, th- there was a, uh, I-, I think you, you may, you know, Jason Whitlock, he, he mentioned a Voltaire quote the other day uh, about when we buy into the absurdity, eventually we're going to commit atrocities. You know, that Voltaire quote. And, um, and I think, yeah, and by the way, Voltaire was on the wrong side of that. Yeah, <laughs> that irony. Yeah, yeah. It, but but I thought that I think we're have we hit a tipping point, Doctor Moeller? You know, I, it's 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 difficult to say, isn't it? I think we only know that in in retrospect. So, you know, I, I uh, I'm a student of history, and I I look at things like uh, and you know, Winston Churchill is one of my great uh, heroes, and. Mm. Um, I, I try to look at the events that led up to World War II, and you can see in retrospect, okay, that was a tripwire, this was a tripwire, everything's changed after that. It's so hard to tell. I mean, I would have thought, you know, 2015 of Burgerfell, that was a tripwire. Mm-hmm. And, and in one sense it was. 1973, Roe v. Wade, that was a tripwire. It was. Evidently, there are a lot of tripwires, but we're tripping a lot of them in a hurry. We we are, and I think I, I, um, I, I was sick. Uh, the first three days of the week. And so I was at home and um, a couple of the days I just was tuning into the hearings, which have, uh, are a complete to me, a real waste of, of government funds because they don't really do what they're supposed to do anymore. People just get points yeah. across. Although I did think that uh, uh, Senator Hawley did a pretty good job of questioning as well as there were a couple other guys about focusing on some judicial stuff. Uh, but, but it gets swept up in the bickering and the, and all the political stuff. What, tell me how you see that impacting her nomination and possibly her, you know, unless God intervenes, she's, she's going to be on the Supreme court. How do you see that impacting us you know, because people used to say, well, one justice is not going to make that big of a difference uh, when we, we do have a majority. Um, how do you see that yeah. impacting us? Well, I am, uh, I, you know, I've been uh, working on uh, issues related to the court for nearly 30, 40 years now. And we've reached the point of absurdity, as you say. These hearings, 
basically our political theater. But you know what? It is really interesting. I'm going to give the Republicans uh, several of them. Josh Hawley is one, Senator Missouri. Uh, Marsha Blackburn, uh, Republican Senator of Tennessee is another. They've got some real issues out there. I thought when Senator Blackburn asked her for a definition of woman and she couldn't answer, to me that was the crystallizing moment in these hearings. And uh, as we think about the LGBTQ revolution, and, uh, and by the way, here is the woman who used the word woman 14 times the previous day. Uh, in her testimony, and who was identified as the you know uh, the, the the achievement of being the first black woman to be appointed to the Supreme Court, and she won't say who a woman is. That well, just that just tells you where we are. I just wish that Senator Blackburn would have followed up with, so a biologist then can tell us what a woman is. I just wish that somebody yeah. would have followed up with that. I can't believe not one senator followed up with that because. That is one of the arguments. In fact, you mentioned it on the briefing this morning. It starts with the XXXY. And, uh, it, it starts with objective reality you know, and, and the fact that uh, you, you can change what you call yourself. You can demand a change in pronouns. You can even go in and get all kinds of mutilating surgery. But you know what? You can't change an XX into an XY. You can't change an XY into an XX. Well, and I don't know if you followed the fact that uh, – I didn't, you know, this new guy has taken over Twitter, and he has just flat out said, we want to impact what people hear. And unfortunately, the way it is in our culture now, that is a very strong means of communication with masses. And if you, uh, they they banned Tucker Carlson for saying that the um, the underset, one of the undersecretaries of health was a biological male, which is a fact. They They banned him for that. And one, and, and yes, you're, you're talking about Dr. Levine. Yes, <laughs> and that is one of the strangest uh, uh, tales in American, uh, in, in all of American history. So when you look at the swimmer identified as Leah Thomas, and and when you look at the uh, the, the American uh, now uh, you know Senate confirmed uh, official in the Department of Health and Human Services named Dr. Rachel Levine, your eyes tell you the truth. And and this is one of those situations in which we realize that one Christian uh, truth we just need to hold on to that's revealed in creation is that insofar as we are seeing reality, our eyes are telling us the truth. Yes. They, they... And, and you'll notice that uh, that Americans who say they want to buy into the LGBTQ revolution, at least some number of them can't bring themselves to say that picture's right. Well, that's true. But, but it's like I, I appreciate what you said about the island – P, I, and and this is where it appears a lot of the church is. We 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 kind of ignore public outcry or ignore public speech because of either canceled, being canceled or whatever. Right. Uh, and and instead, you know, there was uh, one of the I think the lead singer for a, a group called Ren Collective, which is a very popular Christian singing group, just came out the other day with a tweet that said. If you uh, don't use proper pronouns for transgenders, that's hate speech, and you're going to be on the wrong side of history. But you can't question that. If you go against that, you're going to be canceled. And and so what are we to do as believers? Is Congress ever going to step in and change that about Twitter and Facebook and these these big means of communication? Do you see that happening at all, or do you think we're just kind of doomed to live with that? Well, it's certainly not going to happen as long as you've got Democratic majorities and a Democratic president. That's not going to happen. Uh, 
because right now, even though they have their own complaints against the social media empires and they have their own concerns about Silicon Valley and complaints about Amazon and all the rest, the fact is it's working for them. Hmm. The, uh, the, the, the denizens of uh, Silicon Valley are overwhelmingly highly secular, uh, pretty radically liberal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, all you have to say is Seattle, Silicon Valley, you've got the picture. And so the the fact that the, we can hope the Democrats would do something about this, if if anything, uh, I think that party is increasingly given over to those who would uh, just uh, preemptively uh, silence uh, a lot of conservative voices. So the the only hope would be a, a different Congress. I'm just being honest, Doug. It, the, the, there's no hope in this Congress for that kind of action. Well, you it- do have senators such as Josh Hawley calling for uh, some very real political action that would make a difference. Well, if if Congress, um, you know, if if the Senate and Congress became Republican in twenty twenty two after this next election, so in twenty twenty three, do you do you do you believe they would have the the ability to do something? Because when they did have it, they didn't do anything. I mean, I, well, I, I do think the situation got, has, has has gotten worse and worse. You know, sometimes it just takes a certain boiling point for people to understand how bad a situation is. But uh, no, I think I mean, getting a Republican majority in the House and in the Senate is necessary. But so long as a president, I mean, I mean, there, there's no way at this point we would anticipate having uh, uh, majorities to uh, to overcome a uh, a presidential veto. So we, there has to be a change in uh, in both the House and the Senate on the one hand and a, a change in the White House to have much uh, m- m- much success here. Okay, so since and then you... we have to hold the, the Republican feet to the fire. Well, I, I listen, one thing I've always appreciated about you, Dr. Moeller, is you're able to delve into a wide variety of subjects as far as like politics or history, those kind of things. So I want to I kind of tap into your theological views as well as your uh, historical knowledge as you look at Zelensky and his rise really to fame, I, I want to call it fame because the, the amount of access he's had to Congresses around the world is really I, unprecedented, I think, in our, our lifetime, the modern world, where somebody has – I don't even would, – would, would you just say Reagan had that kind of persuasive ability or the ability to at least be in front of all those different groups like he has? Well, I think he did. I think there's certain people who have just risen to the occasion. The weird thing about Zelensky is he's an actor, and frankly, when it comes to many issues, we wouldn't uh, stand with him at all. But uh, but he has represented something that you just don't see on the world stage very often, which is a guy who is showing real courage. I mean, he could easily have fled, and 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 actually would have had many Western leaders say, "Look, you just come and bring your government to London, bring it to Washington, uh, you know, to to to, to Berlin." And uh, operate from there. I, I mean, and frankly, he offered one of the great lines so far of the 21st century. You know, what I need is ammunition, not a ride. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, let's face it. Uh, 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 how, how about a national leader in this age willing to say he needs ammunition? How's that for candor? Well, well, I, I, I've just watched his rise up and, and the way he's been put in front of all these groups but I've also seen the diminishment of the United States presence as a leader on the world stage, uh, both with uh, our our current president and vice president and the way they've handled different issues. 
to where they can't even their calls aren't even taken. And I mean, to me, we we're in that part of the globalist agenda, really, isn't that what globalists really want is a diminished United States? Oh, absolutely. I mean, all they really need is for the United States just just, just to, uh, to to retreat from uh, assertiveness on the world scene. And, and by the way, there are there are huge questions here. Conservatives recognize we we can't go solving every problem in the world. But uh, when it comes to uh, what we're looking at right now, I mean, the, the future of Western civilization is at stake. And so what we need is a Churchill and what we have is a Biden. Mm. And uh yeah, yeah, you know, I worked for President Reagan in 1976, and uh, really, uh, I mean, that was when he was running for the Republican nomination and didn't get it, and uh, had a chance to meet him then, and obviously supported him uh, in uh, in '80 and in '84 when he was elected. And uh, I, when I was a young man, that was just incredibly informative. Uh, Ronald Reagan knew how to stand astride the world stage and dominate the scene. Well, and, and that, that's that's what we need. Well, that's why I was asking you because I remembered you had uh, worked with him and wondered if did he garner that kind of you know ability to go. I knew he could do it, but I just find it interesting that like he was in front of Japan, the Knesset, and all these different groups, uh, and and really when you stop and think about it, I, I I just in recent history I don't know anybody that's had that kind of access you know no let me just tell you if if, uh, if if what i need is ammunition not a ride is the, is the memorable line for now just remember president reagan standing at the brandenburg gate and saying mr gorbachev tear down this wall mm-hmm. tear down. We, we just we just don't see I, I i will say that president biden is in language speaking more strongly than uh, after the invasion, than uh, than some Democrats would. But here's the problem: he has to be a responsibility for helping to facilitate this happening through that disastrous withdrawal of American forces from Afghanistan. That basically signaled American weakness, and obviously, there are people around the world looking for any sign of American weakness. Oh yeah. Well, like uh, a couple of days ago, on the brief, and you talked about the kind of the parallel of law and theology. And uh, how, you know, how we read one text, interpret, you know, will affect how we interpret another, uh, including the Bible. One of the things that has become very common in young people uh, is the the progressive look at the Bible in order to justify actions of today. Right. Yeah, a common term is deconstruction. Really, it's apostasy. Uh, universalism has swept over. Uh, it's the Rob Bell, Alexander McLaren argument just kind of being grabbed onto by young people. Yep. How much of that do you think has been influenced by leaders in government and the view of the Constitution? Do you think that's had an impact or you think it's just uh, a failure of the church? Well, I, I do think it's all tied together. What I was trying to demonstrate is that liberal constitutional interpretation and liberal biblical interpretation are, uh, they follow the same tools. They, they follow the same patterns. Uh, in both cases, they're not tied to the, uh, the, the actual text. Now, I'm not saying the Bible and the Constitution are on the same level. You know that. And, uh, mm. But, uh, I mean, the, the Bible is the inerrant, infallible, verbally inspired Word of God. 
and, and the Constitution is merely a human document, but it's a it's a binding human document. It's mm-hmm. a, it, it it defines the United States of America. And liberals have always hated written authorities. They just do. I mean, and by the way, what does Satan say in the in the garden? But asking the insidious question, has God said that that's uh, that's the same thing you've got? It's it's like you know, well, you know, you don't have to read it that way. It says marriage can only be a man and a woman. Well, we'll find a way around that. Hmm. Uh, we'll find a right to abortion in the Constitution. It's not in there. Of course, it's not in there. But we'll find one. And uh, and so they're very similar moves. A, a liberal biblical scholar and a liberal constitutional lawyer basically use the same arguments. Do, do you? I, I know I know you're not a prognosticator, but looking forward to 2024, do you have any thoughts about what we're going to see? Like as far as because politically, who's on the landscape? For the Democrats, who's on the landscape for the Republicans? I mean, we know who's on the landscape, but I, I, I with everything going on, do, do you see that clash coming again? Do you do you see? Oh, absolutely. You do. And, and, and for for the foreseeable future, this is the way it's going to be for the foreseeable future. And, and honestly, it's been this way it, it, again. Let's just I know you. And so I, I know you'll agree that uh, since uh, the, 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 say, the, the 1968 election, certainly the 1972 election, every election's been a really clear choice. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're looking at two diametrically opposing understandings of the United States, of law, of morality. By the time you get to 2016, when Hillary Clinton ran against Donald Trump, hmm. you had a Democratic Party that uh, not only opposed every restriction on abortion, but called for taxpayers to pay for abortions. And then on the, the Republican side, very strong pro-life plank. And, and, and that's not going to change. You're not going to see the two parties change. And, and, and so uh, when, I, when I'm asked what's going to happen in 2024, I'm going to say the Democrats are going to nominate a Democrat and the Republicans <laughs> are going to nominate a Republican. <laughs> that's true. Uh, it's going to happen. That's pretty much the way it is. Yeah, yeah, but I I I'll leave that at that. Well, uh, well, no one no one's going to get the Democratic nomination. Nobody, and I'm not even going to mention a name. But nobody's going to get the Democratic nomination who isn't sold out uh, to the, uh, the 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 beliefs of the Democratic Party. Yeah, and, do you, and, and you know the same thing is true of the Republican. Do, so, do you see the Democratic? Uh, do you see that Democratic as continuing to be more progressive and not going back to a more moderate view? I don't see how the I don't see how the Democratic Party can ever move towards back, back towards a more moderate view. And by the way, on the Republican side, I think the infusion of populism into the Republican dynamic is also long term. It, it, that that was, I know there's so many institutional Republicans who hope that was just 19, you know, I mean 2016. That's all it was. Uh, not the case. And and I think it's because in in both cases, you've got political parties that are tired of compromise. Because compromise, and by the way, compromise serves the left because the left just moves more slowly. The left almost never loses; it just gets slowed down. But you got a left wing in the Democratic Party that is so ascendant and so radical. Uh, there is no way uh, they will tolerate uh, a, a candidate. Because, and, and look at what's happened with Joe Biden. He was elected supposedly as a moderate, but look at the positions he championed. I mean, even before he got the nomination, he had said. He would oppose the Hyde Amendment after being for it for 40 years. Um, on the Republican side, it, it, there's not going to be going back to the institutional republicanism. So, uh, you know, I don't know exactly 
what we'll face in 2024, but I'm pretty sure you're going to have a Democrat further to the left. And on the Republican side, that's going to be really interesting. Well, if if uh, we got listeners in Virginia, Mississippi, Florida, and Georgia, and if they're listening out there and and they were to pick one of your books, The Gathering Storm, Conviction to Lead, but which which one do you think would best help them learn how to respond to what's happening to the culture that we're living in right now? I appreciate the question, Doug. I would say that The Gathering Storm is uh, is the best way to kind of get a hold. And I mean, even the title tells you where we are. I have a big book on the parables coming out in, in the next month. Okay. And so I try to write things that are just forever to serve the church till Jesus comes. Uh-huh. And, uh, so that's why I've written on things like the parables, like biblical commentaries. But uh, The Gathering Storm is one of those books written in urgency to say right now Christians need to wake up and, and uh, see the clouds gathering. So well, well, And you can I get that book uh, on Amazon.com. You can get it at Target. You can get it in a lot of places the gathering storm and i also uh wanted to just give a a plug to the southern baptist theological seminary and boyce college up there um where you are in louisville one it's a beautiful area and uh you are training people in truth uh to be biblical leaders and uh i'm sure if you're using conviction to lead (laughs) some of the things and principles you put in there that that's a great place for anybody who's considering uh, going into ministry uh, ought to look at the Southern Baptist well, Theological the Lord's really I sure appreciate that word, Doug. The Lord's really blessed. We've got an army of young men training to be preachers and uh, young Christians uh, training and getting preparation to go out in the world faithfully. And I'll tell you, it's the most exhilarating thing I could imagine. Well, you know, I, 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 I want to hearken back. We, we just got a couple of minutes left. I want to hearken back to your podcast this morning. How do we as conservatives and Christians reverse the effects of the sexual revolution? In other words, we put God on display in the community, especially as it pertains to the church's compromise on LGBT issues. Do we, is it that we need to be more vocal and outspoken? Uh, do we, I mean, do, do you have any insight on how we can be, uh, how we can be beacons in the church, people that are listening. How can, what can we do with our pastors and go and our leaders to serve them to help, you know, make the church a lighthouse rather than just <laughs> under a lamp as it relates to that issue? Now, what a good question. I, I think, you know, first of all, it starts in our churches. It starts in the pulpit. We desperately need preachers who will preach the whole counsel of God and that also means not not just uh, preaching books of the Bible, which is what I believe they should be doing most of the time in expository preaching, but they need to preach uh, directly to some of the issues that uh, their own church members are having to deal with and that we see you know out there in the culture. And I, I'd say, and the home, we just desperately need Christian parents raising their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and, and getting them ready to face the world. Uh, we need to support institutions that are pressing back against the, the spirit of the age. And, uh, you know, the long-term strategy for for the Church is to be faithful in every opportunity the Lord gives us, and uh, then pray, even so, Lord, come quickly. Mm, amen to that. Uh, well, i got a question from a listener. Are you planning on running again for SBC president? 
No, I at this point I am I am not. Uh, my plate is full, and you know <laughs> I've taken on uh, new responsibilities also as editor of World Opinions, and uh, I, I just uh, I, I don't think this is the right time. And uh, I appreciate very much the kind question, but uh, I, uh, I I think at this point my my plate is full. Uh, well, uh, how's Peter Gentry doing now? Is he better? Uh, he is, and and he's uh, he's in retirement but as you know he's still teaching in retirement and well because so you never really retire do you if you're a teacher not if you're a christian teacher you know, <laughs> you're going to be teaching somebody and uh, he, he's still using those teaching skills and uh, he, they, they moved to a neighboring state uh, i think they're doing really well well good well uh dr moeller it's been a pleasure thank you for the time today one final question before i let you go uh with all the responsibilities how can we, our listeners, pray for you as we go out today? That is very kind. You know, I am. Uh, I'm increasingly aware that uh, I just need prayer for my own health, and I, there's nothing to to report or any particular concern. But I just recognize that uh, I, in in more ways than than I sometimes think, we're just dependent upon health and energy and vigor. And uh, I pray the Lord will continue to give me those things so that I can continue the fight. Well, uh, before you go, uh, listeners, would you just join me for a moment? Uh, I just lift up Dr. Moeller. Let's all lift him up. Uh, thousands of voices just asking for his health, protection for him and his wife and his family, and uh, provision for them and uh, for the college and for the seminary and all the responsibilities he has. I pray that you would give him wisdom, discernment, uh, protection as he challenges our culture and seeks to be a light in a very dark part of the world. So thank you for him and let your peace and favor rest on him, Lord. Amen. Thank you that, Doug, and God bless you and all your listeners. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Moeller. That was Al Moeller of the Southern Baptist Seminary, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary up in Louisville, Kentucky. You can listen to his daily briefing. The briefing is a great podcast. Uh, just Google the briefing with Al Moeller. It'll come up or send me an email at Doug at SWAT Radio. Get his book, The Gathering Storm, on Amazon.com. And uh, if you want to listen to this or any past program, go to SWATradio.com and click on the past programs link. You'll be able to get, catch that. I appreciate Aaron and Dr. Moeller being on. It's good to be back in the studio, and I'll be back tomorrow with Taylor for the first time this week. I hope you have a blessed evening, and God bless. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening spiritual.